0: This is Ozarks at Large for Wednesday, June 29th, 2022, on your public radio station, KUAF. I'm Kyle Kellums. Ahead this hour, Carlos Santana, the guitarist, singer, songwriter, and band leader, will be at the Walmart Amp next month. Earlier this month, he talked with Rachel Sanchez-Smith and me about the connection between music and spirituality, the joy of collaboration, and the value of learning to play music in a strip bar and a church when he was young. It was this day, 66 years ago, President Eisenhower signed the Federal Aid Highway Act of 1956 into law. That legislation paved the way for the modern interstate system and was the beginning of the end of Route 66. On today's show, we talk with Jeff Sonnabend, a northwest Arkansas-based photographer and writer, about his project documenting people along what was Route 66, stripping away nostalgic images of neon to explore communities that have dwindled and meet the people there. First, if residents haven't heard by now, northwest Arkansas is growing. This part of the state is one of the fastest-growing metropolitan areas in the nation and has a net gain of 30 people a day. KUAF's Anna Pope reports smaller towns from Jasper to Centerton are also feeling the impact of expansion.
1: When Miranda Jackie thinks back on Jasper, Arkansas, she remembers canoeing down the Little Buffalo River, her grandmother's biscuits and gravy, and pitching hay from the bed of her grandfather's pickup.
2: Like we could put the boat in, in town, right
3: at that bridge, and then we can float up to about 50 yards from the house and just pull out right there. Um, and, And those were some adventures.
1: Jackie lives in Springdale and helps take care of the 280 acres her mother inherited in Jasper, which has been in her family for four generations. Most of the property is forest and pasture, but near the house they are seeing some changes.
3: We have a new neighbor bordering our property that purchased this large chunk of land and we started noticing maybe last fall, that they had put in seven new driveways right along our dirt road.
1: Like many parts of northwest Arkansas, Jasper is growing. Jackie says this can draw attention to local businesses and has introduced new things. But she also says gentrification and pressure on existing communities are problems people are facing.
4: I think, yeah, just kind of thinking about like, okay, you know, We've got to be conscientious about the people who have been here for a long time and make sure that we're doing what we can to support
5: them as all of this this growth and change is happening around
1: them. In addition to having more people in town, Stephen Willis, the Newton County Assessor, says he has about 10 phone calls daily from people asking what land is available. He says even if it's not primal land, for the most part, it's being sold for high prices.
6: It's, you know, I've seen it go for, you know, there's still some deals going through for 2,000 an acre, and there's some deals going through for 30,000 an acre. You know, I mean, right now, I mean, there's there's basically not no average, (laughs) you know? I mean, it's just so nuts.
1: About 95 miles away from Jasper is Centerton, where Susan and Ryan Anglin's operation was accepted in the Centennial Farm Program, while houses and a school are being built close to the Walmart warehouse located nearby.
4: I think the biggest uh, thing we've had to get used to were seeing streetlights. We didn't see streetlights at the end of our property until this year.
1: Ryan grew up on the farm and is a third generation farmer. And Susan was born in Bentonville when it was a rural small town. Now Bentonville is the fastest growing city in the state and ranks 28th fastest in the nation. The Anglands run about 500 head of cattle on their land and nearly three months ago, they stopped their dairy operation to focus on beef. Part of
4: that is due to age and part of it is the growth of the area and a lot of situations in agriculture that right now are impacting everyone, which is labor and the cost of production, you know, the input cost.
1: Susan says these reasons combined with high land prices and demand is enough for some to sell land, but she says they will continue to run their operation.
4: We're very grounded in the land because it's been in our family, and we're very, you know, proud that we've been able to farm this many years. In fact, there was dairy farming on this particular property for more than, for more than 90 years uh, till we stopped this year.
1: As the landscape around them is changing, the Anglins are making plans to branch out their operation and start up a coffee trailer.
4: This is part of our yarn bombing. Oh, man.
1: About 10 miles away from Centerton is Bella Vista, another area experiencing rapid growth. More families have moved to the area, which was once a popular place to retire. This is causing the population's median age to lower. It's no longer a retirement community, it's a bedroom community with the majority of the people here younger working age. That's Zita Lucas. She's the co-president of the Bella Vista Historical Society, and after years of visiting the town, she and her husband retired there about 30 years ago. She works at the Bella Vista History Museum, where she documents recent history of the town, helps bring in exhibitions, and gives tours of the settlers' cabin next door. And there is a loft. Evidently, um, the children probably
4: initially slept in the loft. When, When Paul Parrish
1: found the cabin, when Cooper was getting ready to tear it down, it actually For Lucas, the moment she noticed changes in the community was when she looked out her window and she saw a school bus pass her house. She says having a wider age range makes the city a more interesting place to live.
4: With the focus as, as a retirement community, um, there were definitely retirees that did not want families moving here. They did not want an elementary school but here. Uh, today they would have not appreciated the bicycle trails, you know. Um, but, but things evolved over the years.
1: Areas like Jasper, Sinerton, and Bella Vista can be seen throughout the northwest part of the state. The region's population has grown about 20% since 2010, and in 2024, the population is expected to grow an additional 10%. For KUAF, I'm Anna Pope.
0: Anna Pope is reporting on growth in the region as well as rural areas across the KUAF listening area. Her next story will concentrate on services working to help people without permanent shelter. Her work is a collaboration between KUAF, Ozarks at Large, and Report for America. Ahead this hour, Ozarks at Large's Matthew Moore asks for more summer reading suggestions, and he receives ideas from Sarah Putman with Bookish in Fort Smith. That's in our second half hour. The Arkansas School Safety Commission brought in a security expert to help it better understand school safety. Former special agent for the Secret Service, Cindy Marble, spoke to commissioners yesterday about the importance of having behavioral threat assessment teams in schools. Marble told commissioners threat assessment teams are not adversarial and are used as a process to gather information about students who show concerning behaviors.
4: What we're trying to find out in behavioral threat assessment is the why the W-H-Y behind the behavior. Why behind the behavior? What is the function of the behavior that we're seeing? Why is this person acting out in a way that we're
0: seeing? Marble says the usual response to students showing concerning signs of behavior is to suspend students, and this can lead to schools overlooking students who are in distress. Currently, 28 percent of schools in the state have a behavioral threat assessment team. Commissioner John Allison, an educator, shared privacy concerns about setting up a system to report concerning behavior. Marble says there are laws in place to address privacy concerns. One of the
4: things that I advocate folks to do especially on the school level is to to take a look at FERPA at the act and go right to the part that says threat assessment and understand that there is a safety and security clause built into FERPA this actually um, was was in there but was made more um, pronounced after the Virginia Tech shooting.
0: Marble says one of the most common things to monitor, students who are being bullied as well as the ones doing the bullying. She says other signs to be on the lookout for are increased absences from students, failing grades, and drastically changed behavior. And the Arkansas Department of Health reports more than 6,500 new cases of COVID-19 have been added to the state's total in the past seven days. As of yesterday afternoon, there are more than 10,000 active cases and 211 patients in Arkansas hospitals with the virus. Since the start of the pandemic, there have been 11,574 deaths in Arkansas from COVID-19. Hey, I'm
2: Jasper Logan, KUAF's Community Engagement Manager. As an artist and creative, I enjoy creating spaces where everyone can feel seen, heard, and valued. Growing up on the south side of Chicago, we didn't have much, but we learned to rely on one another, as well as the importance of community. I'm happy to play a role in building and uplifting those in this community within the Ozarks. Through events like the lunch hour, our monthly concert series, we're able to highlight local artists and local restaurants right here within our community. Consider supporting KUAF to make events and spaces like these further possible. All you have to do is go to SupportKUAF.com and give before June 30th. Thank you so much.
0: This is Ozarks at Large. Route 66 is embedded in the American consciousness. Neon signs, tourist attractions, cars with fins, and the promise of the open road. But that Route 66 is an image of nostalgia. Another 66, one that exists now, includes disappearing towns, empty storefronts, and, as photographer and writer Jeff Sonnaband describes, impoverished, we're-still-here communities. Jeff traveled the still-existing Route 66 for more than a year and a half to collect an uncropped view of the Mother Road. He'll launch a Kickstarter soon to publish his work. You can find out more right now at Route66primer.com. Jeff is with me now via Zoom. Jeff, welcome to Ozarks at Large. Thank you
2: so much for having me
0: well let let's start with the beginning what led you to route 66 and to the project
2: well let me see if I can if I can tell the story in a succinct way um, it it dates back to my work prior to this which was um, a project called interstate magazine and that's that's still online you can still see that work interstatemagazine.com. and in a, in a nutshell my goal was to do... It, for modern America, what the FSA photographers did for America back in the late '30s into the early '40s—you know—that's the—that's the black and white dust bowl, largely dust bowl photography of photographers like Dorothea Lange and Walker Evans and Arthur Rothstein. And what what they were tasked with back then was um, personifying the benefit the beneficiaries of the Farm Security Administration's work, and they were doing that in an effort to humanize them so that the contributors from the coast primarily um, wouldn't see them as nameless, faceless others, but as fellow human beings. Well, if you fast forward to the mid to late 2010s, I guess the latter half, really, we were facing a similar situation where... um, Americans, um, were being kind of divided into tribes and any, any American fell outside of one's tribe was, was demonized, dehumanized, seen as another. And I thought, well, maybe it's time to show Americans to Americans again. And so I launched the project that became Interstate Magazine. And from that, um, flowed this project which again interstate magazine was was designed to show americans in their communities and the people in the place they places they inhabit and route 66 is 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 such a place in a sense and so i decided to strike out and see what's there now and show that reality to to americans
0: let me ask a question about the physical route 66 first there are, if you travel, you know, along the historic route, you'll see these signs that say Historic Route 66 this way or you're on it. But in reality, Route 66 itself doesn't actually exist anymore, correct?
2: That That is correct. It was decommissioned somewhere around 84, 85. Um, and so there is no U.S. Highway 66 anymore.
0: When you were... Traveling for these more than 18 months and taking images, I imagine you talk to people living, living along the quiet remnants. And did you talk to them about the differences between our idealized vision of this Route 66 and what it is now? Um,
2: yes and no. I mean, I certainly a lot of this was shot during during COVID. And so in the early the earlier portion, I was avoiding people. Assiduously, I wasn't vaccinated yet. There were no vaccines, and so the early work was was more landscapes. But as I became vaccinated and as people became comfortable speaking again, I certainly approached them. That's that's the, the heart and soul of my work. And when I when I broached the subject with them, it was actually kind of interesting. Um, people were able, especially the older folks, were able to talk about the changes that they had seen, like in places like Tucumcari, New Mexico. And they were able to talk about the changes they had seen as the interstates came online and their section of the route was decommissioned and, and the, you know, the tourist dollars fled. But a lot of them didn't really, I mean, other than in some of these towns that have become like reinvented theme parks almost, like Oatman, Arizona, or Williams, Arizona, other than those places, a lot of people are, were almost oblivious to the fact that they were on 66. Or if they knew it, they they knew it, but it didn't hold any nostalgia for them they didn't they they weren't backwards looking it was just where they lived so so those were the kind of responses i got i mean I got, like i said i got the, the the people who who could talk about the changes they'd seen largely economic because of the fleeing of tourist dollars and traveler dollars and then the others who just yeah, they were on 66 but that was just where they lived
0: it's interesting you mentioned Kerry. I was just there a couple of weeks ago and ate at this restaurant called Dell's. And Kerry is one of these towns that tries, it seems, on the surface to, to take advantage of the Route 66 nostalgia. And what I found interesting, and, and this Dell's restaurant has the, the neon sign, has, you know, the fonts that we associate with that era. But when you go inside, it was mostly locals who were just eating in their favorite restaurant, and it was sort of this juxtaposition of the past with the very much present.
2: Yeah, and, and there, there's a lot of it. Carry is fascinating, Kyle, because it, it, is, it is kind of a, a nutshell of Route 66. It's kind of a microcosm. One of the most photographed icons, if you will, of Route 66 it got, has got to be the Blue Swallow Motel right there on the main drag there due to can carry, which is, which is the historic 66. And it's got the 1950s car out front, um, the neon sign. It's fairly well maintained. And, and that's an image that comes up over and over and over again in travel blogs and some of these beautiful books on Route 66 that do focus on the nostalgia and, and the neon. And it's all you know. The, the photographs are always at that that beautiful time of dusk when the sky is that jewel box blue, and and um, and that's what you see. And and if you and if you looked at that image of the blue swallow and Carry and images like it, you would think Route sixty six is this giant theme park. But you were there, so you saw the reality. You drive down that main strip, and there are abandoned storefronts, abandoned lots. Um, a block off that strip in any direction, there are there are people living their day to day lives in 500, 600 foot square square foot homes, and the reality is is that this blue swallow, this neon jewel boxed icon that we see, is not in any way representative of what's really there in carry let alone the rest of sixty six.
0: You know, and and of course, Route sixty six has this uh, this heavy connotation. There was a television show, the Nat King Cole song. And you mentioned that, you know, especially the older folks that you might have talked to thought about Route 66. I'm wondering, did you discover that some of this nostalgia, because it's been a while since Route 66, the television show was on or was a hit song, some of it is actually just fading with generations?
2: I think so. My The social media campaign for the book that will lead into the into the Kickstarter that you mentioned at the open, um, the 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 social media seems to be skewing heavily towards fifty five plus and even sixty five plus. Um, I know you know I have two kids, nineteen and sixteen, and they they knew nothing of Route sixty six until until I I mentioned it and talked to them about it. I do think it's fading. Um, I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing. If if we can keep Route 66 alive in the sense that we can use it as an expedient or as a tool to introduce the realities of America to Americans, to, to take off the rose-colored glasses, to, to to turn off the neon signs, to take a photograph that's not at that jewel box, dusk time of day, if we can use Route 66 in that way, then I think it can continue to serve a, a good purpose, a really important purpose, in that it can keep our eyes open to the reality, the day-to-day reality, the day-to-day American reality of many, many Americans. Beyond that, Route 66, if it just lives on in the song and in, the, and in, in, in these kinds of nostalgic things, well, that's okay for what it is, but it's, it's of less import that way.
0: You know, Tucumcari, Oatman, these other places along Miami, Oklahoma, that are along uh, Route 66 and, and may have seen some downtown uh, disappearing. You don't have to be thinking of former towns on Route 66 or have to travel to to just those towns to find downtowns that are going. Whether it was an interstate that came through or a big box store or, you know, the loss of a railroad, you can go to the along the Mississippi Delta in Arkansas, Mississippi. You can go into this, you know, the, the Rust Belt or, or West Virginia and find these towns. And I think that's kind of the bigger issue you're addressing here. These, there are these Americans who are in places that a lot of us are forgetting or not thinking about.
2: Oh, you've hit the nail on the head. And a lot, a lot of the work of interstate magazine, um, you know the, the the project that led up to this was exactly that, and I've traveled I traveled all over. And you know, if if listeners want to go check it out, they'll find these 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 uh, photo journals on on InterstateMagazine.com from places like the the uh, western part of Ohio, which isn't quite the Rust Belt that's that's more agricultural, um, or places like West West Memphis, Arkansas, I photographed, or East St. Louis. Illinois, you know, inner cities that have been forgotten. It's not just rural; it's urban as well. But but all over, I photographed up in uh, the Flint Hills of Kansas, and and you're right, Kyle. That's there. There's been this um, demographic hollowing out of Middle America of the Heartland, um, along with along with other demographic forces and, and that have that have taken place. But it, you're right, sixty. It's not in any way, shape, or form unique to Route sixty six. Route 66 is just another hook, um, I think, to hang this hat on and, and show America to Americans. I think any
0: historian or sociologist would argue that the work of Dorothea Lange and other photographers in the 1930s uh, did make a difference. Do you think work by you and contemporaries about this can make a difference? Oh,
2: God. <laughs> that, is, that is a $64 question. i I, I I am not so naive to think that 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 you know the work, the Interstate Magazine work, the Route sixty six Primer work. I mean, even if it even if it catches on, catches fire, goes viral, whatever. Even if that happens, I'm not so naive to think this is this is going to by itself change anything. I mean, the what's going on with with the um, social tribalism in America, um, the echo chambers of of, of social media. That's that's a tough that's a tough problem to fix. But if this can be one thing amongst another and then another and then another, um I'm hopeful that at least it's something and at least it's a positive force, even if it's just a little puff in the in the sails of the big the big ship, at least it's something in the right direction.
0: After collecting this material, after writing the preview that people can see at the Route sixty six primer.com website, do you think you're at all changed after all this at all?
2: Um I was changed, my view changed radically. Two things happened in the last four or so years that 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 really was a paradigm shift, a really a real reframing for me of America. One was moving to Northwest Arkansas from Brooklyn. You know, uh, here I am, I'm a New Yorker. Hopefully I'm I'm speaking at my Arkansas cadence, not my New York cadence. Um, but it popping me down in, in the middle of America. Northwest Arkansas is great for a lot of things. Um, it's, you know, Arkansas and, and the Ozarks are just geographically you know, beautiful. I mean, it's just beautiful land and there's the cyclings here and, and the outdoors, but it's also great because it's in the middle of America. I mean, it's almost geographically dead center. And so I had a car before COVID. I built out a, a so-called van life van during COVID, which I've been using since. If you have those kinds, that kinds of means of transportation, that kinds of means of travel, you can get anywhere in the country, you can get, to probably 60 or 70% of the country in a day's travel and and the coasts in two days. So that's, that was one thing that changed my view. Um, but the other thing was in the last four years was, was the interstate magazine project, which really the route 66 primer is just kind of a a different flavor of that changed my view In traveling. If you start traveling and, and traveling slowly, getting out and walking around, meeting people, you realize how vast, vast, vast this country is. It's amazing that a country this geographically large with 350-some-odd million people can hold together as a single entity. I mean, you see the, the, str- the struggles and strains that are going on in, in Europe right now with the EU and, and it, with the similar scale. That's the thing that's changed me the most. So it's not this project per se but this type of project that I've been doing now for four four years that really has opened my eyes to how diverse and how massive the country is.
0: How do people learn more about the project and the and the to soon to be launched
2: Kickstarter campaign? Well, you can listeners can go to theroot66primer.com. Um, there's a virtual mockup of the book um, that they can flip through. Um, they can also sign up for the newsletter. It's not really a newsletter, I should say. They should sign up for the email. Um, they can sign up there. And when the Kickstarter goes live, um, uh, they'll be notified. Also, I'm on, I'm on Instagram at the Route 66 Primer, um, and they can follow posts as I go. I'm, I'm posting stuff. there, both from the book and things that won't make it to the book, but, but all from this project.
0: Jeff Sonaband is a photographer, a writer, traveler. He's launching a Kickstarter soon for the Route 66 Primer. You can learn more right now at route66primer.com. Jeff, thank you so much for your time.
2: Kyle, thanks so much for having me.
6: If you ever plan to mow the Western. Travel my way, take the highway, that's the best. I get your kicks on Route 66. It winds from Chicago to LA.
0: Crystal Bridges Museum of American Art presents We the People, the radical notion of democracy, featuring the nation's founding documents in conversation with American art including a rare original print of the U.S. Constitution, opening July 2nd. Free tickets at crystalbridges.org. KUAF is supported by Opal Agafia's Ozark Mountain
7: Soul Fest, June 30th through July 2nd at The Farm in Eureka Springs. Over 12 bands will perform during this two-day music festival, which includes three nights of camping and a variety of vendors on site. OpalAgafia.com for
0: tickets and more information. This is Ozarks at Large. Let's see. How do we sum up Carlos Santana's career so far? There are Grammy Awards, an induction into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, a designation by Rolling Stone magazine as one of the greatest guitarists ever, recognition of a Lifetime Achievement Award from Billboard, designation as a member of the NAACP Image Awards Hall of Fame, and a Kennedy Center's Honor. And he's not resting on those achievements. His latest album is Blessings and Miracles, and he's the co-founder of a nonprofit called The Miracle Foundation. And he's still touring. July 12th, he'll be at the Walmart Amp in Rogers. This month, Ozarks at Large's Rachel Sanchez-Smith and I reach Carlos Santana by phone for a quick chat. Rachel asked him the first question.
1: For a lot of people, music can have this transcendent quality. If there is this sort of spiritual nature to music, I'm curious as to how that manifests itself for you.
6: Um you know, there's a lot of philosophies, a spiritual path and books, sacred books and all that, you know. Um my beliefs are very, very tangible, like water, you know. So I believe that um God is too big to fit on any book, you know, whether it's the Bible, the Quran, the Torah or anything, you know, when you look at the stars at night and you see this um Parade of stars at night, like 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 the Milky Way, and whoever created that is too big to fit on a book, you know. No matter who wrote it or how how it was written, so that force, that you know, I I believe is very again that word tangible to me. That has created um, something in me that, and I'm able to bring to a concert since Woodstock which is like unity and harmony, and people are able to celebrate something that a lot of people squirm uh, when you say this because they've been programmed not to believe. Uh, So what I'm talking about is light, spirit, and soul. Those three things are immutable and indestructible, and they are in every human being. And when you play music, and that, that presents itself more, your light, your spirit, and your soul. Not the other the other lie, because to me it is a lie that every person is a wretched sinner, and you have, you know, you're not worthy of your light or or being divine. See, that's the problem with humans. You know, it's it's almost that like delegating humans to perpetually be a donkey or a monkey instead of a, an angel or an archangel. And so, with me for me, music whether it's like John Lennon or Bob Marley or you know, or Bob Dylan or Marvin Gaye or Coltrane or or, uh, Aretha Franklin, Billie Holiday, Mahalia Jackson, all of these musicians that I'm mentioning, they have the same quality that I have. They open their mouth and a note comes out and people, all of a sudden, they feel that they can trust themselves enough to complement and enhance life. And they put their ideologies to the side, you know, you can't say my God is better than your God. You know, that becomes like Godzilla kind of philosophy. And to me, God is not Godzilla. God is love, not competition, or uh, send you to hell if you don't believe what they believe. You know? So that's why Santana, I think, has been around for such a long time, because I have um, passed the test of not hitting walls or going in and out out of um, rehabs. And stuff like that, you know, uh, uh, because of my mother and my dad and and the the people who were orchestrated to come in my way and teach me how to be see, diligence, discipline, devotion, dedication, and diet. Mm -hmm. Those are the things that give me uh, longevity.
0: A few months ago on our show, uh, one of our guests was Akir Hussain, the the tabla player. For him, collaboration of music with other musicians kind of does this as well. And I wonder, you're famous for your collaborations. Do you feel that sort of energy when you have like-minded musicians that are playing with you?
6: Yes, thank you for asking that. Uh, uh, We are here to elevate, transform, and illumine consciousness. To help people become uh, aware that you are divine, you know, you're not, uh, um, you're not less than what God made you. Even even when you were in the womb, He well He imbued imbued everyone when we were in the womb, and we're able to create and manifest an avalanche abundance of blessings and miracles, you know. Um, and so, to me, music has always been about uh, awakening, collective consciousness awakening. That's those are really three powerful words: collective consciousness awakening. You know, and there's show business and entertainment, and those are beautiful professions, but that's not what I signed up for this lifetime. You know, um, I signed up more to almost like a minister, but I don't want to tell people who to be, what to do, or how to do it. That's an imposition. I'm more focused on inviting people to remember that you are, Uh, a spark of the divine. And every molecule in you, every cell, there's something divine, uh, very divine, That you're able to, as they say, move a mountain, you know.
1: From an early career musician playing in Tijuana to San Francisco to now all over the world, what has stayed with you throughout your career as a musician? What what has changed?
6: You know, it's very... um, peculiar that you say that, because here I'm in San Diego right now, and I grew up like 20 minutes from here in Tijuana, and what I learned in Tijuana was how to amalgamate um, sex and spirituality, you know, like, because I was working on a strip, I was working at a strip joint when I was very, very young, so we play for an hour, and then prostitutes uh, strip for an hour you know, and then on Sundays I would go to church and play the violin Ave Maria, you know, so I learned how to create music that makes women want to take their clothes off, <laughs> 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 you, know? <laughs> and that's, you know, it takes a lot of confidence to, to, to be butt naked like hippies used to do in the lovin', you know, uh, whenever you feel free then you don't, means that you don't care what other people think about your body or whatever uh so what I learned about, Bill Graham told me, your music is sensual and spiritual, and I think you should finally accept that, because sometimes you squirm like you're not comfortable with that thing, like it, like it's a contradiction. And he was right, because I grew up, and they, they, they put that blanket on me of um, guilt, you know, that sex is bad for you and this and that, you know. And so it took me a while to realize that it's not really bad for it's not bad for you it's actually a blessing to be aroused and to be moved and to be agitated in a in a passion sensual way you know and that's what I want that's what the music is to me you know that's why I love Marvin Gaye you know sexual healing oh my god you know are you kidding <laughs> you know and uh, so we need to bless um, the gift that God gave us, which is energy, you know. You need to be conscious how you use it and how you, how you uh, present it. Uh, but my dad was, like, very charismatic. You know, he wasn't Clark Gable, but, man, women really love my dad, you know. And, and so I learned charisma from my dad, and I learned conviction from my mother. And that has gotten me really far. It's a pretty
0: good combination,
6: isn't it? <laughs> yeah.
0: Well, thank you so much for your time. Uh, we appreciate it. We look forward to seeing you at the, at the AMP.
6: Come and celebrate. Let's, let's celebrate our light, our, our spirit, and our soul. Thank you so much. Thank we'll you. We'll
1: see you in Arkansas. Muchas gracias por todo.
6: Encantado. Adios.
0: Carlos Santana talked with Ozarks at Larges' Rachel Sanchez-Smith and me by phone earlier this month. He and his band will be at the Walmart Amp July 12th. You can get more details about the show at waltonartcenter.org. Santana's latest album is titled Blessings and Miracles. Art Ventures' latest exhibit, Threads of Identity, is available for viewing today. The opening public reception will be part of Fayetteville's first Thursday, a week from tomorrow, July 7th. Threads of Identity includes work of art within the world of fashion and style, exploring cultural identity. The exhibit is scheduled to remain at the gallery through August 28th. Art Ventures is at 20 South Hill in Fayetteville. You can find out much more at artventures-nwa.org. The Bentonville Public Library will host the second annual Oz Kids Bike and Book Festival in the library's backyard Friday morning from 9 to 1130. This includes book giveaways, a story time, craft stations, and at 1130, a bike parade from the library to the Bentonville Square and back. It's all free, but advanced registration is needed. To register, head to eventbrite.com and look for the Kids Bike Book Festival tickets tab. The 20th Annual Art of Wine Festival, presented by Walton Arts Center, is returning this month. The Winemakers Dinner on Tuesday, July 19th, features a six-course collaborative menu from two local chefs with wine pairings. Uncorked Wine Tasting is Friday, July 22nd at 7 p.m. and features hundreds of wines and food from area restaurants. WaltonArtCenter.org or 443-5600 for tickets. The Jones Center in
7: downtown Springdale presents the Worst Case Scenario Survival Experience, an interactive exhibition for kids and families that puts survival skills to the test. Activities include a quicksand ball pit, climbing a wall, picking a lock, and more. Tickets at thejonescenter.net.
0: We continue our summer reading list with our friend Sarah Putman, owner of Bookish in Fort Smith, Located in the Bakery District, she says reading in the summer is a time to try new books. So she provides a wide-ranging list of options for our listeners.
3: Absolutely, I think summer for some of us it's the time to fit in all the stuff we couldn't read if we we're a student or a a, a teacher. Maybe you got to fit in all your fun stuff in the summertime. Um, but also, we don't have a lot of time. You know, you're running kids here and there, and so our our attention spans are sometimes not quite as as long as they should be. <laughs> So we need something short.
5: Exactly. Okay, tell us your first recommendation.
3: All right, so my first one definitely goes to that. It's, you know, if you're a a busy mom and you just have a few minutes at the end of the day to to fit in your reading, I would definitely uh, recommend Bomb Shelter by Mary Laura Philpott. Um, She writes essays. She's from Nashville. I've been following her writing for years, and she just does this really classy job of overlapping the profound with the absurd. Um, so she's funny, but she also talks about some really heavy things at times. So I just think this is a perfect read. You could read an essay, then, you know, take a sip of your margarita by the pool and goes off and pick it up. and read it. okay, So it's, it's a perfect summer read.
5: Yes, it's one of those where you don't have to sit down and read it all at once. If you need to pick it back up later in the day or the next day, you know, it still kind of hangs on. It's great. Awesome.
3: Yeah, you completed something that day, at least, if you read one of her essays. So so you can pat yourself on the back, that, but you'll want to finish it because it's so good.
5: Excellent. Excellent. <laughs> all right. What do you have next for us?
3: All right. So this is kind of a, I'm going back a little bit. Uh, this came out in 2019, and this is Daisy Jones and the Six by Taylor Jenkins Reid. Now, Taylor Jenkins Reid has been all over Book Talk over the past few months, um, but this is one of my favorite books of hers. It's set in Los Angeles in the late 60s, early 70s. Um, it's the story of Daisy Jones. Um, she's coming of age and she's like club hopping and singing at all these these clubs. And she eventually gets noticed by this great big band and becomes their lead singer. And it's full of drama and there's love triangles and just um, Laurel Canyon in the '60s. It's just the, the the dreamy California experience. So that's why I picked it for our summer read. Are you ready for number three? Yes. <laughs> all right. So back to that like nostalgia. That's I think when you're a middle-aged lady like myself, I I sort of think of summer as a nostalgic time, right? Um, And so I picked My Heart is a Chainsaw by Stephen Graham Jones. And this is actually a horror book, um, and he is kind of the the master of the genre. Um, But I think what a good horror writer can do is entertain us while also um, commenting on sort of the actual horrors in the world. Um, So That's why I picked this book. You know, it's nostalgic in the sense that you're going to um, be connected to, like, Jason Voorhees and all of those 1980s horror films. Um, But he's saying a whole lot here about American colonialism and indigenous misplacement and gentrification and things like that. So um, it's a great read. Um, and he is someone that you should definitely follow
5: and, and this is part of a this is part of a book trilogy as well. This looks like it's the first one right. in the trilogy. So if you fall in love with this book, there's there's plenty more to come um, with that one.
3: And he has a pretty good backlist too. So while you're waiting on the the next one, you can read um, The only Good Indians I think was a book that came out a couple of years ago, but he's got he's got a pretty pretty big log.
5: That's awesome. okay. what next do you have for us?
3: Okay, so I went ahead and and went down to some YA, um, in case you wanted to encourage some of your kiddos to to pick up a book this Absolutely. summer. Absolutely. And this is by Kaylin Baron. Um, this Poison Heart is the first book, and this Wicked Fate comes out here in June. Um, but this is a remix of The Secret Garden, um, and it also has some some mythos throughout, you know, that you'll be familiar with. But there's so much. Um, great representation in this series. There's a lot of action um, and really great characters. So I think this is something that um, any age would enjoy. Um, And also, you know, boys could pick this up. And even though our our heroine um, is the main character, you know, we have this great female protagonist. Um, We, you know, can encourage our boys to follow along and enjoy the adventure because it's action-packed.
5: Good YA novel with lots of action uh, is is always a fun read, especially in the summer when, you know, you, your your mind is a little run down from the school year and you're ready to pick up something um, that will engage your mind but isn't too heavy. It's an excellent choice.
3: Yeah, for sure. I have a few more if you want me to keep going. Yes, please. <laughs> I'll go quick, though. Um, I also have a book of poems, um, and I picked this because— um, Well, it's sort of set here in the Ozarks. Uh, Dave Malone is the poet, and I think he lives in Missouri. Um, But there is um, a poem titled Crystal Bridges. And there's another one called Reading Philip Larkin Poems at the Lake, which I think is a quintessential experience. Um, But he kind of goes through, there's like a timeline growing up um, all the way to spinning the deep. And and the idiot, it's that nostalgia piece that I think Summer calls for um, in our reading. Um, And the poems are just beautifully done. Um, It kind of balances humor and grief. um, But it also offers a little bit of something different, I think, um, while we're relishing that familiar. Um, So that's Tornado Drill by Dave Malone. Okay. All right. And then I have two more. I went ahead and and threw in Don't Know Tough by Eli Craner. I'm not sure if anybody else has talked about this one. He's an Arkansas native. Yeah, so this centers around a football star named Billy Lowe, and he comes kind of from a rough background. New coach comes to town um, and takes Billy under his wing, and then, of course, Billy's stepfather is found murdered, so let's just say the the football season is off to a rocky start, Um, but this is just a mystery thriller set in Arkansas, and, you know, we got football, so we love that here. That's right. right.
5: (laughs) And then you have one more for us, right?
3: Yeah, I do have one more. And this is just because I think it's important to, you know, you to got to do some work in the summertime. And, and this is How to Raise an Anti-Racist by Ibram X. Kendi. So since we, you know, have work to do, he, he does a really good job in this book of shedding light on his own personal experiences growing up. Um, he talks about being a parent. Um, and he sort of structures this book to follow – Sort of pregnancy to teenagers, and he offers guidance to parents who are working to raise anti-racist children. So this will be a great book to read over the summer, and you know, sit down with your kids and 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 work through some of those those guidelines and those exercises. So, and that comes out, I think, the end of June.
5: Okay, and Sarah, where can folks find Bookish in Fort Smith?
3: So uh, our website is bookishfs.com, and um, we're all over social media, so Facebook, Instagram. You can easily find us there. You can always email me at sarah at bookishfs.com if you have any questions. And we're over here at the Bakery District. Um, our address is 70 South 7th Street. Once you find the Bakery District, you'll see us. We're right in the middle.
5: That's great. And Sarah, you've given us a lot of different choices. We've got essays. We've got horror. We've got young adult. We've got poets. We've got a local tinge. If you can't find something out of this list, then um, then we need to have a conversation. <laughs>
3: If none of that sounds good, give me a call and we'll find you something.
5: I love that. Sarah, Sarah Potman, thank you yep. so much for talking with us today. I appreciate
0: it.
3: Thank you. I appreciate you.
0: You can check out that full list of books from Sarah as well as the rest of our summer reading list on our website, OzarksAtLarge.com.
7: Ozarks At Large is underwritten, in part, by the Walton Family Charitable Support Foundation. The Jones Center in downtown Springdale presents the Worst Case Scenario Survival Experience, an interactive exhibition for kids and families that puts survival skills to the test. Activities include a quicksand ball pit, climbing a wall, picking a lock, and more. Tickets at thejonescenter.net. Ah, summer. That time of year, you hang out by the pool...
5: Get out on the Razorback Greenway. Keep up with your flower beds. Wherever you are this summer, we know you'll want to keep up with the news, music, and entertainment you rely on from KUAF. But here's the thing we can't do that without your support. As our financial year comes to a close on June 30th, we're asking for your contribution that keeps you and your entire community engaged and entertained. So while you're working on the perfect out-of-office email reply, you can rest assured KUAF is always on. Make your donation today at supportkuaf.com. And thanks.
0: Tomorrow on Ozarks at Large, Dozens of entrepreneurs, including nine from northwest Arkansas, are on a three-month sprint to put ideas into reality. Each has identified a challenge or problem they'd like to address with an invention, a process, or a creative plan. And they're going to be aided by representatives of Heartland Forward. This is a
3: no-judgment zone. so. You know, we're all here to learn, including our team. We're here to learn, too. So but we can ask a lot of questions. We can feel free to be completely overwhelmed if we,
0: we need to be in the moment. We're here to show up for one another and to offer helping hand and support each other. So we want to make sure we do that. How the entrepreneurs are getting started on tomorrow's Ozarks at Large on KUAF at noon and 7 p.m. You can always listen to the show by accessing our Ozarks at Large podcast from any podcast distributor. And you can ask your smart speaker to Please play Ozarks at Large.
4: Hi, I'm Aisha Roscoe from NPR's Weekend Edition. The voices, the stories, the lives of your friends, your neighbors, as well as those you don't know, can be heard on KUAF Public Radio every day. And your voice matters, too. We want to hear from you using KUAF Connect. Just get the KUAF app for iPhone, click the connect button, and leave your message for the KUAF community. Or call 479-575-6577. At KUAF Public Radio, your voice matters. For more information, go to KUAF.com.
2: You have earned this spot. You are worthy. You are a great American. But don't worry, my sister. God has got you. And how do I know that? Because you're here. And I know what it's taken for you to sit in that seat.
5: I'm Joy McGowan.
4: I'm Denisha Simpson. And And we we are are Resilient Resilient Black Black Women.
1: On the final episode of season one of Resilient Black Women, Joy and Denisha discuss Black men supporting Black women with their guest, Dustin McGowan. They explore the obstacles in the way of this support and how we can move forward celebrating and supporting all women, but especially Black women, Indigenous women, and women of color. That's on the next episode of Resilient Black Women, available for free at KUAF.com and anywhere you get your podcasts.
0: The deadline for the next batch of Artist 360 grants is fast approaching. Mid-America Arts Alliance is currently searching for the fifth cohort for this program. The idea is to help qualifying artists in any medium by offering guidance in grant making and professional development. 26 awards ranging from $1,500 to $25,000 will be distributed. Applications due tomorrow. All the details at artist360.art. Sunday, our friend and entomologist Dr. Don Steinkraus will talk about all things caterpillars at Hobbs State Park near Rogers. He says his fascination with the animals began when he was five. His talk is titled, Caterpillars, Amazing, Beautiful, and Important. It's designed for everybody. It begins at 2 Sunday afternoon at Hobbs State Park Visitor Center on Highway 12. If you live in Eureka Springs and want to sell something at a yard sale, you can register right now for the Yards and Yards of yard sales registration can happen now by going through eurekaspringschamber.com. The sale will take place citywide August 7th and 8th. Earlier on the show, we heard our community engagement manager Jasper Logan discuss the importance of community to KUAF and the importance of community support during this final month of our fiscal year. With just more than one day left in this June fundraiser, we've raised more than forty-six thousand dollars, nearing our month's goal of fifty thousand dollars. In fact, at mid-morning, we had forty-six thousand. raise. Our fiscal year in the June fundraiser ends at midnight tomorrow. You can support us right now at supportkuaf.com. And thank you. This is 91.3 KUAF, Fayetteville, Fort Smith, Bentonville, and Magazine. KUAF is a listener-supported service of the School of Journalism and Strategic Media at the University of Arkansas. Contributors to the show today included Anna Pope, Rachel Sanchez-Smith, and Matthew Moore. Matthew also produced today's program. Our theme is written and performed by Daryl Sean. You can find out more about Daryl wherever you find out more about music and musicians. Additional material heard on today's show provided by the hardworking news team at KUAR Public Radio for Little Rock and Central Arkansas. We're back with you tomorrow at noon and 7 from KUAF. From the Carver Center for Public Radio, I'm Kyle Calphonson.